Hello and welcome to Rednets, the official podcast of Empire of the Cop. Uh, we've got Stan Collymore on this special edition of the show. Uh, he's going to be discussing the Watford game with Farrell Keeling. And, I mean, if you didn't already know, uh, Watford failed to have the new managerial bounce. Liverpool absolutely battered them and great times were had. So let's hand it over now to Farrell. Hi, Stan. Welcome to um, Empire of the Cop again. Um, absolutely fantastic game has to be said probably went a lot better than I thought it did uh, in actuality I mean five goals um, Sadio Mane's 100th Premier League goal a hat-trick for Bobby Firmino and of course some more brilliance from Mo Salah a lot of positives to take from that Watford game but what did you make of it all? I thought it was a performance today that is a shot across the bows of Manchester City and I still think Manchester City alone Liverpool fans that will watch these videos on Empire of the Cop and go back a month or five or six weeks and they say, oh, Colin Moore's, you know, yeah, he's, he played for the Reds, but he's got red-tinted glasses on. I don't want to say I told you so, but I told you so. 20 goals now Liverpool strikers have been involved in. That is incredible. It's incredible because every one of those four main line forwards, Mane, Yotta, Bobby Farino today with a hat-trick, of course, and Sadar Mane with his 100th Premier League goal, have scored in every single game. The confidence between those four that one might drop out for a couple of games, put a little bit of nice pressure on the other three as well to come into the team, is they are the best attacking unit in world football today. Today. They've been, the, they've, they've been the best or one of the best we know for three or four years. We, we, that's undisputed. But the way that they are playing, the movements, the interplay, I think that they've grown a real appreciation and understanding of each other as they're getting into maturity. Of course, there's always healthy rivalry, and there has been in the past. The, does he pass to him? Does he pass to him? That's gone. That really has gone. And... I'll say I told you so to Liverpool supporters because when it was only two or three games and I said, look, Liverpool strikers have scored 10 goals here. Chelsea's have got two, Man City's have got four. And it's been a repetitive theme every week in these videos. Is that, I said, that will make a difference in the Premier League this season. Romelu Lukaku comes in, oh my goodness, against Arsenal. Absolutely fantastic. What an incredible striker. He's the missing piece of the jigsaw for Chelsea and they have to win the title. Other pundits have said the same. And I took a step back and said, right, OK, one guy coming into a team that's very good, that's created goals, champions of Europe, have yet to show it in, um, in the Premier League by winning a Premier League title. What happens if he gets injured? What happens if he's out of form? He hasn't scored in six games. Firmino, Mane, Salah and Yotta have scored in every game. And there's four of them. Just sheer logic dictates that if Liverpool can keep these four, four forwards happy, keep them fit, keep them on the pitch, keep one in reserve to come on and say, I'm here if you are not playing so well. Do you honestly think that Bobby uh, Firmino would have got a a hat-trick or being as inspired. He's been arguably the poorest out of the three, the mainline three, for about a season now. But do you think if he didn't have Diogo Jota behind him, that he could come in and take his place and play three or four games, that that hasn't made a big difference? 
And it goes back to this thing that I said very early on in the season. It's not always about who you sign, 96 million here, 100 million pounds there. It's about identifying what the strengths of your team are. Liverpool now are back settled. The back four is settled. The back five is settled. There's options as well to come off the bench in terms of central defensive positions. Naby Keita's got a full 90 minutes under his belt. Absolutely fantastic. I'm delighted for the kid. Whenever I've done one of these videos and talked about Keita, but Stanley doesn't play very often. We have to wrap him in cotton wool. Another 90 minutes. Jordan, another 90 minutes. 76% possession, I think. 19 shots, eight on target. Again, once you're getting into double figures and 18, 19, that, that shows you dominance. 76% possession. Um, as you rightly talked about, the new manager banks is a thing. Watford want that. You know, they've, had, they've come up into the Premier League, got rid of the manager, a new voice that comes in that we all know. Um, let's move forward. Liverpool dismantled Watford. And for me, as a, as a professional footballer, when I look at that Liverpool team play now, I see a unit that is almost at the kind of level that it was in the dominant Premier League winning season. And as I've said on Empire of the Cop several times, and hopefully now Liverpool fans will appreciate my insights as the season goes on, it's Liverpool and Manchester City's title to win. We've heard the guff about Manchester United. Look at the situation there. In. Ronaldo's come in. Sancho's come in. The Galacticos have come in. An inexperienced manager that has not proven at the pointy end of the Premier League that he can succeed. So I'm happy. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, who's a Liverpool fan, by the way, stay exactly where you are because Sancho hasn't hit the ground running yet. Ronaldo will score his 15, 20, 25 goals in a season, but the narratives in the story could quite easily become about him as the story goes on. Um, and as for Chelsea, Romelu Lukaku hasn't scored for six games. Who's going to... Come on, Liverpool fans, tell me who's going to weigh in now for Chelsea. Timo Werner? Who else is going to get it, come in and score goals? Liverpool, I'm looking at it, and I'll take my red glasses, red uh, rose-tinted glasses right off. Four mainline strikers, all scoring goals. Every single game this season they've scored in, I rest my case. If that continues, it's only going to be Liverpool and Manchester City for the title. Uh, there's a long, long way to go. Well, I think that a huge amount of credit needs to go to Jurgen Klopp and his backroom staff that came under a little bit of pressure. We haven't bought anybody, FSG. We haven't bought anybody. Buy the right players at the right time. Don't just buy two or three just for the sake of it. An absolutely stunning performance. Mo Salah, you know, I, mean, I think it's embarrassing when people say, is he the best player in the world? Of course, he's the best player in the world right now. Uh, Saido Mane, 100 goals. You know, one of only two or three Africans that have done that. Um, Bobby Firmino, under pressure, a hat-trick. Fantastic performance from the Red Men. Um, it's, it's a pleasure to watch this team play. They're up there if they win the Premier League title this year. And, and obviously, there are cup competitions, Champions League. From what I've seen, and I grew up watching uh, Aldridge, Barnes, um, you know, watching Kenny Dalgleish, watching Phil Thompson, watching European Cups won. Um, and this team, on its day, is as good as any Liverpool team 
that has, that has run out in red. It's that simple. I have a feeling I'm going to get a very uh, short answer when I ask this, but I mean, were there any negatives at all to pick out from, from that? No negatives at all, because if you keep a clean sheet away from home against a team whereby you know that there's going to be a, re- a reaction, um, you can micromanage and say, well, you know, as, as Trent and Robbo, have they hit their straps yet in terms of the barnstorming fullbacks that we know and love? They're getting there. I think as well, like we talked about Samikas earlier on in the season, Robbo and Trent have got to come back into what I would term the, the same kind of form as the forwards are showing. Um, Naby Keita, I think it's going to be about minutes in his legs. I think it's going to be, can we keep him fit for six to eight to ten games? Because if you get those games under your belt, then naturally you can start to do the things that you do. He's maybe been a little bit in his shell because he is worried about breaking down. But when I did a video the other week and talking about Naby and getting games under his belt, Liverpool fans said, well, we have to keep wrapping him in cotton wool. Jürgen is giving him, giving him every single opportunity to play minutes. So for me, I, I really think there's a time and a place to give negatives in terms of team performance. But a clean sheet, three quarters of the possession away from home, um, all of your forwards contributing. You're, you can afford to leave players on the bench that already or ordinarily would come on after 75, 80 minutes to rest them. That's given them a nice, you know, the likes of Yotta has given them a little bit more of a break. Um, but in terms of the overall performance, they are rocking and rolling. If I was a central defender, if I was a fullback, I almost feel beaten before I've, I've you know, done my warm-up because, you know, if it's not Salah, it's going to be Mane. Now, if it's not Mane, it's going to be either one of Bobby Firmino or Diogo Jota. Um, one of the best goalkeepers in the world gives a calm assurance when he comes out and picks out um, corners, set pieces. Uh, Virgil van Dijk has got more minutes in his legs, as has uh, Matty, with two very good young central defenders chomping at the bit. You can't look at negatives today. Everything about Liverpool, uh, the way that they approached the game, the way that they executed the game plan, was as good a Liverpool performance on the road as you are likely to see. I mean, it seems a little unfair almost that Salah's taken the headlines after Firmino got a hat-trick. Um, but then it's, again, difficult to overlook sort of the quality of his contributions on the pitch, particularly you know, over the course of the, just the last two games alone. You had that one goal against City. You had the situation post-match with Sebastian, you know, which, which, is, which is your favourite effort? And you know, you're struggling to pick between the two. But, I mean, when we're, when we're talking about Salah, there seems to be a lot of comparison between your Messi's, your Ronaldo's. I mean, for you, like, where does he sit amongst that sort of category of players? I think that when you're looking at, at you know, Zlatan Ibrahimovic was was always in the conversation at his very best with Messi and Ronaldo. We've had Lewandowski at various times pushed into the conversation, um, and of course, you know, Griezmann. Salah, there's been several players that have all sort of gravitated in the last three, four, five years around two guys that have had quite outstanding careers. Cristiano Ronaldo, for me, is the modern GOAT because he's done it with his, with, in um, the three most difficult leagues in the world. So he's done it in uh, Spain, he's done it in England, and he's done it in Italy. There are not many pl- players throughout their careers that can say that. He's also, crucially, in a good but not great Portuguese team, 
help them to finals of, you know, the uh, the Nations League. And of course, they, they, they won the Euros. Lionel Messi hasn't done that. So that's just a personal choice. Me, it's Cristiano Ronaldo. But today, if you are asking who you put in a football team to win a game against the Martians or from a, 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 a non-planet planet Earth team, and you've got a choice of Messi, Ronaldo or Mo Salah, Mo Salah takes that position. Because we're not talking about he's the greatest of all time. We're talking about he's creating chances, he's scoring goals, his numbers are scary, his work rate is excellent, he's bringing out the best of his teammates every single week without fail. Lionel Messi has yet to really like the blue touch paper in Paris. Cristiano Ronaldo's had very good starts, generally speaking, in his second spell at Manchester United. But the best footballer in the world that changes outcomes in the attacking unit of a world-class football team is Mo Salah. And you know what? I'm really looking forward to Saida Mane. Uh, Bobby Firmino, obviously, is now going to go away tonight. If you've got the match ball under your arm, um, that's going to breathe confidence. Jürgen can sit back with one of those famous beers and he's kind of sitting there and he's having a laugh and a joke and he can say, my goodness, between Bobby and Diogo that have come in, they've contributed as well. But I'm thinking Saida Mane now, if I'm, I'm thinking about the goals he's been involved in this season, the performance he's been in, the way he's been dragged along as well by sort of people talking about Salah, is that I wouldn't be at all surprised if we're not talking about um, Salah and uh, Mane in two of the top three or four most productive players in the world this season. Um, an in incredible milestone to get to your 100 Premier League uh, goals. It's, it's It hasn't been done very, very often. It hasn't been done often for a reason. But Mo Salah is the best attacking player in the world today, bar none. I think um, prior, well, prior to the game, uh, a couple of players attracted attention for the wrong reasons, perhaps. I think I don't know if you've got a chance to see uh, Klopp's pre-match chat with Des Kelly. I didn't um, know. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, he, Jürgen got a bit annoyed uh, when questions around their availability was brought up, because obviously... Um, they made the decision to send them to Spain rather than sort of bring them back to Merseyside and have limited time to rest and recover uh, for Watford. Um, and he, he sort of had another go at the fixture schedule and, and BT. And I, I just wanted to get your thoughts on this because this is an issue that I remember being very uh, key last year as well. You know, and uh, again with Des Kelly, um, like I mean, what, what's your, what's your opinion about all of this? Because it, we've seen it cause injuries across the the league. Yeah. I, I, I know that, that Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp are of the same mind. That it's become a welfare issue. Um, we've got to a situation, you know, I respect Arsene Wenger greatly. Um, though that Invincibles team pushed the bar higher in terms of what to expect from an English club team. But in his role as head brainstormer supreme for FIFA... The notion of a, t a World Cup every two years is, is a nonsense. And his reasoning was, well, wouldn't you want to be a winner? There's more trophies to win. You know, more trophies uh, spread out more and more over a season means more chance to win. It's cobblers, Arsene. You're talking cobblers. Professional footballers traditionally in England had the August to May 
sometimes early June, if you were, you know, got into European Cup finals and then had a proper break. I have been screaming and shouting for over a decade that it's not just about how many more tournaments we can cram in, how many, how uh, we change the frequency of those tournaments, how how uh, we can expand what are European Championships from eight teams to twenty four and thirty two, and it's going to be uh, unless this is checked a major problem for professional footballers. They are human beings. They are not robots. And you cannot keep going to the well. So fans will look at this situation and say, well, crikey, if I had to pay to play twice a week for 300 grand, it's got nothing to do. The, earning, uh, the, the earnings of a player and their output is completely unrelated. You pay the best money for the best people that can do the, the best job. But we are getting to a very, very dangerous stage now whereby from a red line in perspective, yes, bigger clubs like Liverpool have bigger squads to be able to absorb those extra tournaments. But it's getting ridiculous. I would actually like to see a system now where FIFA and UEFA and the Premier League and some of the big leagues around the world um, put a stop, have a moratorium on expanding tournaments anymore, um, have a sensible World Cup cycle, which is four years, Euros, four years, um, Champions League, slim it down, don't add to it. Um, a real conversation about, do we want our clubs going to Australia, Singapore, the United States, Latin America, pre-season and post-season? And I have every sympathy for Jürgen and for, uh, for, for Pep Guardiola, less so than some of the managers further down, because the further down you go, you've got less uh, squads, less quality squads. But we do need to have a, a fixture congestion, a calendar uh, conversation because if not it just becomes about huge sponsors coming in and saying we want more product we, we, we want more you know it's like going into a supermarket and, and there's a, a product of the month that's selling very well so you put it front and centre football is the world's favourite sport product so we just so sponsors are give us more give us more give us more these players cannot continually go to the well and there's an argument that if they play less football matches we have more quality football matches. So I completely agree with uh, Jürgen and Pep in this regard. We need a moratorium. We need to stop to more and more tournaments, more and more games, and have a sane and sensible conversation uh, as to which is the best way forward. And um, so it's moving on to potentially happier matters. Um, during the, the international break, there was inevitably some transfer discussion. Uh, a couple of names have sort of been consistently brought up in that period, uh, that of Frank Kessier and Usman Dembele, specifically because their contracts are set to expire yeah. next summer. And obviously the, the connections that have been made is, well, Juan Adams left, we need a midfielder. We, we needed a forward in the, the summer window. We didn't get one. I mean, I just want to get your opinion on those two players and whether you feel they'd be a good fit or whether there's, there's any other names as we approach the January transfer window that you feel would be more ideal. Liverpool need nothing in terms of the forward group in the, in the January window, all four strikers are fit, all four are contributing. Um, I think it would be very difficult, for example, for uh, another forward player to be able to come and get game time, and that may well put them off. As a player, you say, it's OK, I'd like to join a great club like Liverpool in January, but where am I going to get my minutes? Is it going to end up being in the 23s, or is it going to be loaned out again? I like Dembele. Um, and I think that, that attacking width 
um, is something Liverpool should always be looking at. I think that particularly Liverpool will always have goal scorers. They'll always have uh, great goal scorers. You look through the history of Liverpool Football Club and for 40 years, they haven't struggled for, for players that come in and score goals. It's an always an attraction uh, to get those kind of players. For attacking with, yes. Both players are considered, but I think that the problem from extricating them from their clubs is going to be Liverpool's front four are on fire. They've scored 20 goals between them this season. Where are you going to play? How are you going to play? You're not going to extricate somebody like Dembele to come and play FA Cup games or uh, League Cup games or, you know, come off the, the bench for the odd Champions League group game. So I think that Liverpool are OK in the January transfer. I think that they look at things again next summer who's going to sign new contracts in terms of Mo and maybe one or two others that keep those fires burning um, always keep your eye out and I know that Michael Edwards and the recruitment team will be making sure that they've got a target list it would be remiss of them if they didn't but no I don't think either of the two players that you mentioned are an absolute must um, neither do I think that Philip Coutinho should come back I I'm a, a massive um non-believer of players having a very good spell at a club first time and then two or three, four years later come back. It very rarely works. So Liverpool, Liverpool for me, if you're looking at areas to improve perhaps central midfielders, dynamic central midfielders, um, that might be an area. And it'll be interesting to see the names that are put in the frame ahead of the January transfer window. But Liverpool don't need any more attacking talent in the club. Uh, they won't get the minutes and it might upset the, the, the balance of a foursome that are absolutely on fire at the moment. Um, you mentioned Michael Edwards, of course, who's been absolutely integral to the recruitment process. Um, he's, he's another whose contract is set to expire uh, next summer. Jurgen Klopp was questioning on this in a press conference and I think he sort of said, well, it's none of my business, you know, uh, you know ask someone else about it. Um, it's a bit concerning in a similar respect to the fact that Salah's contract hasn't been sorted out likewise yet as we approach uh, the winter window. I mean, is it a concern for you that uh, Michael Edwards is potentially leaving? Obviously, he's got a fantastic team behind him. He's got Julian Ward coming up, but he's been such a key negotiator, such a key part of that Liverpool team. When you've got a team and members of that team, whether on the pitch or on the pitch, off the pitch, win, you keep them. Um, Newcastle United are going to be floating up thought balloons and tapping up friendly press people and putting out names left, right and centre as to people that may go to Newcastle United and be involved. And I saw the other day, you know, Michael Edwards may well be headhunted by Newcastle United. Why would he go to Newcastle United? The only thing that he would go there for right here, right now, bearing in mind they're going to have to go through probably two or three managers to get any degree of success. They're going to have to have a huge turnover of, of players. It's going to be quite a stressful job uh, for a number of years. That's not to say it's not a stressful job at Liverpool Football Club. But Liverpool Football Club have the right people in the right places and he's integral to that. So if they were to double his money and say, we're going to pay you whatever it is, double what he's on now, then you'd have a think about it. But once you've signed that contract and you've gone to St. James's Pot or elsewhere, you think, I've got to do a huge job here. At Liverpool, he's very well respected. He obviously has the ear of the technical staff in the dressing room. They trust his judgment. FSG trusts his judgment. I'm absolutely sure that Liverpool, whether it be Michael Edwards or Mo Salah, won't be leaving these negotiations just cold. Fans think 
they're not signed up, therefore there's nothing going on. There's always constant meetings. There's always constant, we want, you know, giving people a cuddle. We want you to stay, laying the groundwork, doing the financials. But Michael Edwards won't be going anywhere. And if he went to Newcastle United, I would be mightily disappointed because the only reason he would be going there would be for money. Newcastle United will not compete for the trophies that Liverpool, Chelsea, Manchester City are competing for for three, four, five years. And to get there, they're going to have to go through several managers, some teething problems, uh, not being able to go unnecessarily immediately by £100 million players um, and having to deal uh, and not being able to get the likes of Mo Salah through the door uh, or get the likes of Canate uh, through the door. So for me, Michael, stay exactly where you are. Uh, Merseyside is for you. The fans give you plenty of love and appreciation on social media elsewhere. You don't need to be going anywhere else. Stay and for the FSG, get the checkbook out. Sign him on the dotted line, like Mo. Keep momentum, keep continuity. Thanks to Stan and Farrell there. And uh, we will be back later on in the week where we'll be discussing the aftermath at the Atletico Madrid game and also looking forward to the big derby against Manchester United, which I don't know about you, but I'm absolutely excited to see Oli struggle behind that wheel. But for now, thanks for listening.